Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take on your etiquette questions about cutting in line, being asked to sing duets, declining seconds at a family meal, and revealing personal changes to friends. Plus, your most excellent feedback, an etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on spoiler alerts. Coming up... Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And you are about to have a weekend. I'm a little nervous about it. (laughs) I know that that it's going to have happened by the time everyone's listening to this, but like you got all of Pooja's family coming up. Like, I'm picturing the whole wedding is, like, is going to reoccur at your house this weekend. We haven't talked about this a lot, you and I, but you're anticipating, and I think you can tell just based on my nervousness... I wish you could what it is exactly right that now. I'm that I'm facing. Pooja's family is coming for a visit, and it's a lot of the the family from the Albany area that yeah. haven't visited us in Vermont since Anisha was born. So most of them have met Anisha. We've done one visit there, but what's really inspiring the trip is that the oldest uncle on Pooja's father's side of the family, oldest paternal uncle. So okay. he's this, the the real patriarch of the family is visiting from India, yeah. and he's visiting his kids who live on the west coast, but he's making an east coast sojourn and. I don't even know exactly how many people are coming. Plans are a little bit fluid, but it's a big enough number, and it's the real patriarch of Pooja's father's family. People are coming. How doth a host prepare? The host gets a lot of assistance from host's mother-in-law, <laughs> who is an excellent cook. And we're we're enlisting her aid. We're, Help us figure out what to do. We're, we're trying to plan as best we can for the arrival on Friday. What should be a dinner plan? And she's helping create what that plan is and and hopefully will help guide us through the remainder of the weekend. Question. What are you guys preparing? Like, has Alka decided that you need, like, these three dishes that are for certain? Like, have other family members offered to bring food? I know the aunties cook a lot and a lot mm-hmm. of really good things. Well, like, so who's who's volunteering for what? Who's taking care? Like, lay out the party planning, cuz. My summer party planning usually involves a big barbecue. Okay. So what are we barbecuing? We have a lot of vegetarian guests. Not much, then. So we are not going to be barbecuing. <laughs> I am leaving a lot of the food in the hands of the guests who okay. want it to be in their hands, are looking forward to it. But okay. I have a task list where I go home after work. Yes. And I have it's to— It's your honeydew list. I have to Sorry. mow. I have to <laughs> weed whack. I have to vacuum the house top to bottom. We're cleaning bathrooms one, two, three— 
it's it's really more about One, setting two, the stage. <laughs> yes. Um, so you guys are prepping the location. Exactly. And Alka is spearheading the food and the people. Entertainment, we've been told, is who's doing is coming. <laughs> that that just the, the company of everybody who's there is going to be what entertains us. There will be enough to do just oh, wow. managing the logistics of all of the How guests. How are you handling space? And like, what do y'all need? My parents who are right next door yeah. are getting back from their long distance bike ride on Thursday. Yay! And they're prepared to play spillover hosts yeah. for okay. any extras. But the, the air mattresses are coming. We're, we're planning to push furniture to the side in TV rooms and make bedrooms out of guest areas. And we have a little spillover plan at my parents'. This is a lot of people. Like, I'm picturing, like, you don't have enough napkins in your house for this. You don't have enough glasses. What are you doing for that kind of stuff? Okay, believe it or not, we do. Do you? Pooja's, <laughs> Pooja's mother has been stashing in our basement She's on shelves boxes that you. have extra uh, flatware and dishes. Um, this is but, like Alka's entertaining closet at your house. It is. And she That's has one awesome. at her place that functions in a very similar way. And she's sort of been equipping us little by little oh, as we moved in. She is. She's amazing. The other thing that I've been doing, though, is yeah. looking around to saying, where's everybody going to sit? Do we have enough chairs? That's why I'm saying if you want my mom's folding chairs, like, let us know. <laughs> no, there's, there's a wooden bench up in the garage that I'm going to bring down for the living room. I'm, Great. Two people covered. What else? There's a list of chairs that are on my repair list that are, no, I need to get to those repairs so that those chairs are fixed so people can sit in them. Okay. So this would be a really good time for us to halt for a second and say, audience, this is why you must RSVP when people reach out to you, invite you to something. Listen to the list of things that Dan's just ticked off and the people he's coordinating with and what he's doing to make this and along with his relatives make this an excellent time for the greater family and to have a great experience. This is a lot of stuff. There was mowing on the list. There was like fixing things and cleaning multiple bathrooms. I mean, these are all expected normal things for a host to do, but it's a lot of work. So when you get an invitation, be it through Facebook or text message or shouting out through the car, like, hey, come by Friday night. Like, respond. Respond to your hosts so that it is easier for them to plan all of this. It would make life so much better. Okay, sorry. That was just my call out. <laughs> and, and, and I will do a little bit of a mea culpa. I, a lot of this is coming from me. I Yes, you are this type of host. Like to feel like I'm well prepared so that I can relax and enjoy myself when there is company. And this is this is an expectation that I feel like I have put on myself. I don't feel like it's coming externally. I'm not feeling the pressure. I'm feeling sort of an internal pressure yeah. to be ready because I want to do well in this particular Well, and you've situation. always been that type of host. You've been the one who really looks in all the corners for all the ways to make your guests feel welcome. So way to go. Good luck. Let us, can we do follow up the following week? Let's do follow up from the party too. I want to hear how this one went. I, I will be glad to report and thank you for indulging me. Clearly, I'm thinking a lot about this. I I'm love sitting here it. With both it's fingers such crossed. good etiquette conversation. How about we get to some good etiquette questions though? I think we should do that. Let's do it. Awesome. Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. 
StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is pleased to be answering your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want it on the show. Our first question is cutter. You know when you were like four and in line and it's like that's a cutter. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> oh, you got it from what it was written. Okay, good. By all means, take us away. <laughs> Hello, Dan and Lizzie. I recently discovered your podcast and since then have been hooked. It's something I really look forward to listening to on my commute, and it makes for a great start to the day. So here's my question. I'm sorry if a similar one has been asked before. I'm still going through the archive. A few weeks ago, my partner and I met up with some friends at a popular bar. The place was full, so the bouncer was letting people in only as others came out. We took longer than our friends to find parking, so when we arrived to the line, they were ahead of us by a few people. By default, we stood at the end of the line. My friends waved us over and motioned for us to stand with them, essentially cutting in front of the people who were in front of us. We didn't feel right about this, so we went back to the end of the line. We ended up having to wait longer. But ultimately, I think this was the right thing to do, as had we cut, the people behind us would have had to wait longer. What do you think? Are there ever situations where it's okay to cut in line? How should one respond to someone who has asked you to cut? I try to apply the golden rule when I can. Thanks. Sincerely, Q Questioner. So, <laughs> my impish self is like, yes, eh, just cut the line. But that's totally not right. That's I don't I I. But at the same time, it's like if there's four of you and two people are parking, you hop in the end of the line. Two people come in behind you. Would you turn and say to them? I just want to let you know, uh, you know, the other two from our group are parking the car all right with you if they join us once they get here. But do you have to do that then to every single person who joins the line? And it started to get complicated in my head. And then I read four lines down on our show notes and Dan had this solution. 
I guess my big thought here was very similar to yours, that obviously line cutting is an early manner we learn. It's an essential manner. You shouldn't cut the line. Yeah. If you've got to merge two groups, merge back. I love how here I was thinking like, oh, you can ask the person behind. I'm like, I'm like, save the spot up ahead of line. And Dan's just like, no, 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 just merge back. And I was like, that makes so much sense. It seems to hold to that fundamental principle of not cutting anybody in line. It's got an awful lot of consideration in it, doesn't it? (laughs) Okay, so I think our altruistic best selves merge back. Yes. This isn't the zipper merge. No, this is not a zipper merge situation. (laughs) But I was asking myself to take a slightly deeper dive here. Are there situations where it's okay to cut the line? And maybe I'm hearing my Lizzie Post impish voice just a little bit. I'm just the youngest. I like breaking all the rules. I think there are situations where it starts (laughs) to feel like less of an offense. Tell me, dear cuz, when can I cut the line? Two considerations. (laughs) One, how important is your position in the line to the end result, really? Is it about limited opportunity or is there a limit to the resource that people are queuing up for? So in this case, there's people are trickling out of a club. You only get in as fast as people leave. In many ways here, the resource is time, but that's a real resource. You're out for an evening with other people. I think other times there's a a limited number of Nintendos at the toy store and you're (laughs) queuing up for them. And, you know, person eight might get one, but person 15 might not. I think that's a case where that line... Okay, so maybe it's an iPhone. I'm dating myself just a little bit. (laughs) That's a place where those line manners really do matter. There's a limited resource. I think other times it matters less. I'm thinking of a time recently where I was lined up to get onto an airplane and they've got those obnoxious tier one, two, and three queues. And there was a relatively large group in front of me. Somebody was joining that group. And what's the real difference? Everyone's got their seat. Everyone's going to get their seat. The only difference is whether you wait for one extra person to put their luggage up above or not. Maybe the luggage space up top is what you're worried about. But we can even find solutions for that, as you've heard on the show. Exactly. So is the the resource limited? If it's not, if patience can be applied, I I think it's, it's less, no harm, no foul. It's less of a problem. The other situation is how big is the group and how many people are joining? Yeah. If there's a really big group and just one person is joining them, I think that somehow it doesn't feel as bad to me. No, I agree. I think this is definitely one of those situational etiquette situations. (laughs) One factor that I think comes into the play and I kind of see like a unanimous everyone decides to ditch the common good or like the lookout for your fellow man when the weather is bad, when you have like negative temperatures or when you've got like pouring rain or you've got um, extreme heat. I find those are the times when people's manners go out the window and they say, oh, no, I don't care about the rest of you in line. I'm getting in. I'm taking care of me. Like, what do you think about that? That, that that's worse. That, like, collectively people decide to almost, like, out for myself because the earth is trying to get me. I think you're right. I think it happens. I think it's (laughs) understandable. And I think it's worse. it shouldn't happen. Yeah. Because now you're leaving the other people out in the cold or the heat or the extreme. (laughs) It's almost like the more you would want to cut, the less appropriate it would be to do it. This could be another etiquette philosophy segment later is, like, at what point is it the individual and at what point is it the group whole? And does etiquette say it's always the group that you should be looking out for? We'll, we will explore that in depth at another time. One other subtlety to this question that yeah, I wanted please. to ask about. And this is one that I go two different ways about it. What are your thoughts on asking the person behind you if it's OK that you cut? Well, because that was my suggestion, kind of like begging permission, right? Because uh, I was saying, you know, oh, we've got two people coming. No, is it? 
is it is this when you're just straight up there's no one in line and you look at the person ahead of you and say hey can I cut in front of you or is that what you're saying or do you mean the situation I was describing which is what our question asker was asking about which is two people are in line two are coming to join them what do you think what do you where are you going with that so the first scenario I'm hearing you're kind of giving a little warning. You're saying the rest of our group is still joining right. us. To me, that's sort of taking preparatory action. Yeah, I'm giving I'm you a little bit of information. I'm testing the waters to see if this will make you mad, and then I can decide if we're just going to all go to the back or we're going to cut you instead. Yeah. For some reason, that one aggravates me less. Okay. I think that makes sense because there's a little level of consideration and awareness in it. Whereas there's the situation where someone is joining a group and the person who's there turns and says, oh, do you mind if they step in? And you're almost forcing the person behind you to say, yes, oh, it's fine. It's a different type of ask. It's one thing when the stranger behind you shows up to get in line and you let them know, oh, we're just waiting on two people. Is it okay if they join us? We didn't want you to think they were cutting the line or something like that. Whereas you're talking about group of people in line, line is long, and hey, Jimmy, great to see you on the street. You want to come in with us? And jump in line. That's a di- we are claiming mm-hmm. that different etiquette territory. I think so. Okay. The, letting someone know that someone's gone to the bathroom and will be joining you. Someone's parking the car and will be joining you. <laughs> oh, Jimmy was just in the bathroom, right? No, I'm just kidding. No, yeah. exactly. I, I'm, I'm, with I'm with right you. I'm with right you. Attitude <laughs> where I think that someone has a right to be a little aggrieved. And I think it's a little bit rude to force someone to excuse your rudeness. Okay. And there's a, a hint of that to saying, "Oh, do you mind if this person just hops in?" So, cuz. Let's say Jimmy jumps the line. Do you call Jimmy out on it? No. You just let it happen and you just deal with it and you just say people are people and sometimes this stinks. And hopefully it won't be me, but there will probably be some time in my life where I'm the one making this kind of maneuver and really hoping that the people around me will excuse it. Are generous. Oh, let's end on that note. Q questioner, we hope that that gives you some thoughts on uh, what to do the next time you are standing in line and you're going to have some other folks joining you. You'll always find that good manners keep things running smoothly. Going to the end of the line instead of trying to break into the middle. It's only fair to those who were there before you. Our next question is titled Me 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 Lovely. Hi Dan and Lizzie. My name is Heather. My question goes as follows. My sister called me a few days ago with an etiquette question that really stumped me, and I thought it would be perfect and maybe even right up your alley, Liz. I know that you are a singer, and my sister and I are also singers. I'm an opera singer, and she's a jazz singer. We've both been trained professionally, and we often sing for events. We sing in church quite frequently, and something that happens to her a lot when she sings in church, uh, people will come up to her afterwards, congratulate her, and then immediately request that she sings with them in church as a duet or a trio. She frequently says yes, although she doesn't know these people and has never heard them sing because she wants to encourage them and she doesn't want to appear rude. However, this has become a real source of embarrassment and consternation for her when she finally does sing with them in front of the public and realizes they cannot carry a tune or they cannot carry their part. How can she do service to her own gifts and not put herself in situations where she is performing in a way that doesn't speak to her talent? How can she decline these politely without cutting off 
the potential for a blossoming friendship or without coming across as being overly rude? I would really appreciate the answer to this question, and I think there may be some other singers out there who face the same thing. Thank you so much. Well, Heather, I, as you can probably tell from my me, me, me's, definitely don't get this question ever. Um, <laughs> I love to sing, but definitely not in any performance capacity. This is one of those really hard things. Someone is praising you. They are giving you a compliment. They are excited by you. They might even be a little in the moment enamored. That happens. You see a beautiful performance. You experience someone doing something beautiful, and you're just <gasps> wide-eyed and it would just make my world if you could be more a part of it. And it's the, it is incredibly flattering. It is kind. It is generous. It is beautiful. And it is it is nerve wracking. It is anxiety. You immediately that can rise up for people. Oh my gosh, someone wants me to commit, and I don't know anything about them. It's impractical. It's impractical. I like that one. I mean, it's, most generously. <laughs> I think this is incredibly difficult situation that you and your sister and I, I think it sounds like we're we're talking about this more from the sister's perspective. To add a layer of complication, I really appreciate your sister wanting to be encouraging of other people right? participating and singing at church and that just gave stepping me an forward. Idea. That totally gave me an idea. It is so hard in the moment to say to someone I'm really sorry, but I'm I'm not interested in doing duets or, oh, I have a limited number. No matter what, I feel like you really – you you run the risk and I think it's very hard to find the correct sample language to be able to make that one-on-one -on -one ask be turned down. We can find it. We will find it. I am confident we will find something. You know, and sometimes it might be that it, putting it off a little bit like let me check my schedule or I'm not quite sure. I don't want to make a commitment right now, but I can get back to you on that. That's a good one. Because you're not praising, Delay you're not, did, you're just delaying table, give it a minute so that we're not in this moment of, this was amazing, let's repeat. But I think that that's important. I think because Heather's sister is a singer who is sought after, that it might be good to come up with maybe something where if, if you sing regularly in church, you go to church weekly, maybe there's a once a month where you and a whole group get together to do a song for the service. And then you have something that you can say to this person who comes up and says, oh, I'd love to do a duet or I'd love to do something. You could say, well, I've set it up so that we have kind of a group one. And, you know, sometimes it's one other person. Sometimes it's lots of other people. It just becomes a thing as we a part on the third Wednesday of the month. We sing and then we perform on the third Sunday of the month. And and that could be a way to help the community of the church get included on the singing. You might not be as beholden to worry so much about if they are good singers or not, because this could kind of be more of that community-driven one where it's really a chance for people to get up and participate, not so much to shine. What do you think? Am I making more work for Heather's sister right now? No. I, I've just I, created an entire other, like, once a month scheme for her. That feels like a lot, but maybe not. I like the thinking, though. I like thinking of a way that you could channel this interest in a way that makes the most sense for you and your community. Mm -hmm. If that is really something that, that motivates you or is part of your desire to say yes, even though it really doesn't work out in the end the way that you would really want it to work out or yeah. just is impractical, just is, is too much of a burden in terms of your time commitment. I'm also thinking on a really basic level that learning how to say no to people well is an important skill and it's an important part of 
success in any endeavor. You hear about this yeah. all the time in terms of work. The most successful CEOs in the world are the people that know how to say no well, the best. Yeah. <laughs> they say no all the time. They're, they're saying no to everything. People are approaching them all the time with a million opportunities. And, and ideas. <laughs> they say no. They say no. They say no. They say no, except to the things that they really care about and that they really want to invest in. And I'm guessing that in a CEO situation, you can say no from a really good opinion point of, no, I don't think that's going to work for us or that's not a direction I'd like to take us in. Harder no to deliver to an individual. It can feel much more personal. Yeah. At the same time, there's a similar heart to the question. Very true. This is someone responding to excellence, wanting to be part of it. And you are a limited resource. You are valuable. Your time is valuable. How you give the gift of your attention is an important thing to think about in life. (laughs) Okay, but wait, how on earth do you communicate that without sounding like so lofty and like I am on high and (laughs) you know what I mean? Because you could so easily make it sound that way. It's true. You start from, I think, the perspective (laughs) of, of, of recognizing that everyone's time and attention yeah. is special, that it's a gift for anyone to give anyone else their, their, their time, time and, attention. and that it's not that there's anything particularly awesome or special about you, although there is in this particular case, but it's it, it's not necessarily the only reason that it's important to manage yourself well. I think that there are three elements to a good no. Okay. I think one, that it's clear. Okay. That someone hears the no the and no knows it's a there. no. Okay. I think the tabling is okay. I think in the delaying, moment at church, like I think I think you gotta because you're kind of having that glowy moment right there. I think that that's that's entirely reasonable. I think at some point you give someone an answer. Yes. And that yeses are okay, nos are okay, but you want to be clear about what you're saying. I think that you're kind. You thank people for their interest or their offer, and that you offer an explanation if it's appropriate, but that there's no need to stray or go into that territory where it starts to feel awkward or like you're making excuses. Well, it's just like on a date, right? When you you don't have to tell them all the things you didn't like about them. You just say, this won't work for me. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And this is the art of good <laughs> etiquette. And you're particularly good, I think, at these sample scripts that find that territory where you're giving enough information so that somebody feels know, like they're being addressed. I feel addressed. like I'm calling. I think I'm playing chicken on this one. I feel like I'm saying, table it for a better time to give the no because I just don't – in that moment, I think that no is just going to – hit hard and flat and pop the bubble of the niceness. And especially if you don't get enough of the gratitude out first. (gasps) Thank you so much. That is so kind of you. I really appreciate that. That is just so lovely to hear. Right now, I'm just I'm not sure we've got a a lot of interest in in doing duets and things like that. I don't know. See, already I feel like I'm starting to falter and not not make good work. (laughs) And I can't even talk anymore. (laughs) I think following the gratitude that you started with saying I'm I'm not making any more commitments right now, I think becomes really reasonable. I think getting the that gratitude and that appreciation for both their compliments and but also their interest. I think really sets the table for you to then say whatever you want because it really is up to you. Or even your interest in the project. But that's where I don't think I would necessarily get into a long explanation. <laughs> yeah, no. And really I found that most of the time when people ask me to sing, they're not at the level they're that not I like very to good. work with. <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. I'm curious if the church has any kind of person who organize. I'm, I'm sure they have someone who's organizing the music and things like that. And I'm wondering if that person might be able to be kind of a gatekeeper. And I just don't know if I don't know the the setup and the structure, but that's another a potential option to turn to is say, oh, we run everything through Mary. 
So we'll check with her and look at the schedule or we'll see what she's got in mind or, you know, they have tryouts. You know, you never know. I mean, some choirs are serious things depending on the type of church and the nature of the church and the the feeling at the church, what they gravitate towards. It might even not be an option for people to join you for duets and things like that, although it sounds like in this case it has been and it's been a problem. You might start looking at how can the church help you structure things. Heather, that's a couple of different ways you might approach this situation. I hope in the future you and your sister get to share many duets. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next question is titled, Please, sir, can I not have some more? I recently returned from a truly awesome trip to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, to meet my future husband's family and longtime friends. One thing I learned about Brazilian families is everything is centered around large meals. I felt awkward refusing second helpings of their amazing traditional Brazilian foods, only due to that eating too much makes me feel physically ill. How should I handle refusing second helpings without making my gracious hosts feel that I do not like their offerings when, in fact, I love trying different foods? Rob. Rob, thank you for this question. I am currently thinking about a weekend that I will be spending <laughs> that will center around copious amounts of food being served Daniel Post all setting, the don't time. you even try. I have seen you put down more food in that frame of yours <laughs> than whole wrestling teams. I mean, what kind of problems with eating all this amazing Indian food that is about to be bestowed upon you do you have, my friend? Well, I was going to share a perspective that I was a, 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 a grazer, a very light eater, and... Um, over time, I've gotten to the point where I now just take all that food. I just say, oh, yes, please, and oh, could I have some more of that? And oh, oh, is the such and such ready yet? Because I've been looking forward but to it all week. But you don't get physically ill the way Rob does. Rob gets physically ill if he eats too much. No. Right. No, and coming from a place of appreciation <laughs> about how it feels to be fed by loving family, yes, uh, I I can appreciate where it could feel awkward or difficult to say no. Yes, and yes. there is a a general tenet in in etiquette and dining etiquette in particular that you try everything that is served to you. Yes, my mom calls it the no thank you portion, where it's just a small amount so you can say you've tried it. You never know you might like it this time. You never know, you but might you're not like wasting it. food either. Exactly. It's a way to participate. It's a way to receive someone's generous hosting well. Mm -hmm. But you also don't necessarily need to eat so much that you're going to make yourself sick. In fact, I would advise against it. (laughs) You don't ever want to make yourself uncomfortable and no good host would want you to. It can be a part of generous hosting in many cultures to really offer a guest food and drink and to do so repeatedly and continuously. Can I say that I think we might also be up against an old gender stereotype? And that's that men are bottomless pits and they need to be fed, 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 fed. And I could see as a man, like, coming around to a family of people that wants to feed him, like, it it could be just extra awkward and people might be trying extra hard to get him fed. But maybe not. Maybe that's not a part of it. There could be some of that at play here. It could also 
be just enthusiasm about sharing a cuisine. I know your son brings his fiance home. To it. You're like excited to meet the guy, and you just want to feed him and love him and welcome him into his family. I love that idea of the no thank you portion, but you don't need to call it a no thank you portion. Just say yes, but to take tiny amounts. Say I'd love to. I'll, I'll try a bit, just a little bit more, and. You can just explain. You can just say, I- I- I've got to call it at some point. I can't keep eating. I'm, I'm such a light eater. People Keep will, saying things like that. I like that, Dan. People will appreciate that you know yourself, that you know your limits. Some people, without even saying so, will appreciate a certain abstemiousness, <laughs> that you're not taking advantage of everything that's being offered all the time, that yes. you're not a glutton. Not that you couldn't enjoy what you're offered as well. But right. there, there is a real range that you can play as a guest and it's okay to play at the, the end of that range that says yes, but with restraint. Yes, and, but no, but yes, but no. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I love your cooking. I love trying new things. Let me try just a little bit of that is a perfectly reasonable thing to say and just keep it up. Keep it up. Be persistent. People will get to know you and your eating habits and they will adjust. Good hosts will notice this about you. I like what you were just saying about the, the oh, I could take just a little bit. What if you start by taking smaller portions? That way when seconds come around, when thirds come around, you can continue having these little small portions but still take the offering being made. That's just another strategy for dealing with it, right? Be aware. Know yeah. what's coming. <laughs> exactly. And I love this though this sounds like a great family to have jumped into and have a wonderful time with like i'm loving the problem rob is having (laughs) and and i'm going to go back to where i started just beware eventually you may find for better or worse (laughs) you're eating the portions that used to daunt you what was it you said the other day about walking in and for the first time in your life your pants are a little tight there cuz all right all right Rob, we hope that that helps and we hope that on your next trip down to Brazil that you are able to feel both comfortable and feel like you are really enjoying and participating in all of this wonderful family gatherings and meals that you're experiencing. Doesn't it taste good? Just look at that plate. Why does Bill have a stomachache? Well, perhaps it wasn't what he ate, but the way he ate it. Our next question is about personal changes. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I hope you can help me with this etiquette dilemma. My husband and I, by personal choice, have made some lifestyle changes and no longer consume alcoholic beverages. Many of our friends are people we have regularly shared wine and other cocktails with at dinner parties and intimate gatherings. So it has always been expected that we would all be drinking, and we most often would bring wine to enjoy together with an additional bottle for a hostess gift. Should we advise friends ahead of time of our lifestyle change before accepting a dinner invitation or just wing it and express this after we arrive and are offered a cocktail? I worry about some friends even handing us a glass of wine already poured as we walk in the door. Yes, this has happened. Also, what should we do about the hostess gift and should we bring additional wine? We don't want friends purchasing additional alcohol that they don't need to for dinner since we won't be drinking. We also don't want to make a big deal about it and would like to avoid questions about the health reasons behind the change, but at the same time, show proper etiquette. I would be most grateful if you could answer this question on your podcast as we have lots of events coming up where this sensitive issue will come into play. Thank you for your podcast. It is truly my favorite. Sincerely, Stacy. Stacy, thank you so much. And thank, thank you for letting us be your favorite. <laughs> I love that. 
I so sympathetic over here. I took two and a half years off from alcohol and loved it. It was a great time. I highly suggest it for anyone. It's good to switch things up. You don't have to tell anybody your reasons for why you do this. And when they pester you with questions, you can just keep saying, we just aren't drinking right now. Or we've just decided to, to take a break. We've decided to not do this right now. But I can't wait to enjoy this chicken that I'm smelling in this kitchen. Oh, my goodness. You know, that's the in the moment when people have probably had their own glass and are a bit curious at this new change in your life. But I would say you asked, should we communicate this ahead of time? I think it's a good idea. So when your friend calls you up and says, let's get together Friday night, you said, I would love to. But I just want to let you know, hubby and I have decided that we are going to not drink. And so we will be happy to attend. But just as a heads up, we're probably we won't be um we won't be drinking. I mean, that's pretty much it. So don't count us on the wine bottle list or don't count us for the bar makeup, you know, whatever it is you decide to do. That is appropriate communicating to your host about what they do or don't need to do for you. It's polite. It's thoughtful. All of those things. In the spirit of I have a food allergy, I won't be able to eat or drink X, Y, or Z. Not because you owe them an explanation or even that you're assuming that people wouldn't know how to behave around you if you weren't drinking because the idea is that people are getting together to enjoy each other's company. You got it. You don't have to be drinking to enjoy that company. Exactly. Different thought. You've asked about the hostess gift. And I would say this is up to you whether you choose to give alcohol as a hostess gift anymore or not. It's totally up to you. Still totally appropriate if you'd like to. Also, you could start bringing something that isn't alcohol if that's just the the way that you feel. But I think either way, still bring that hostess gift is a good idea if that's the way your friends operate, even though you entertain with them very regularly. It's fine even if you don't drink to bring alcohol for someone who does. Absolutely. If you're comfortable with that as a gift, it is oftentimes still really appreciated by your host or other guests. Sweets are another share terrible vice if you want Although if you're coming to Daniel Posenning's house, bring him capers. <laughs> Savory, yummy little delectable munchables. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll venture into territory that I'm terrible in, but I know... <laughs> you're going to get good, Dad. You're going to get good. Uh, on some sets, makes for good hostess gifts. A puzzle or game that everyone can play together. He's Jenga, got Jenga listed here. <laughs> a puzzle, I don't know. <laughs> I love it, Dan. These are great ideas. Something cool that I don't know about. Options abound. Options do abound as far as that hostess <laughs> gift goes. I have one more question for you, sample script master Lizzie Post. Please. <laughs> I appreciate that you don't owe your host an explanation for why you're not drinking. Right. In the spirit of anticipating uh, other people noticing a change in your behavior or a change in relationships, if you used to participate in parties where right. drinking was a thing more often. If you wanted to offer some explanation but didn't want to dive too deep, is there some middle ground territory that you might find where you could say, oh, for health reasons, my husband and I aren't drinking or we decided to make a lifestyle – would you ever – Why hint, you do don't... you need me? You are sample scripting this yourself. You could totally do it. Yeah. You think not, that's reasonable? Right? I think so. If you say, hey, cuz, I noticed you're not drinking any, you know, that's when most people will nudge you and be like, are you pregnant? And you're like uh, going, buddy. Well, this is what I'm I know. dancing around a little <laughs> bit. And so if I were Stacy, I would be actually offering a little bit more. I would be saying, you know, for personal reasons, just decide to stop drinking or I needed a change and we decided this was the right one to make. Or those are things that have potential to indicate that you had a problem with alcohol when you didn't. And I do I do think you want to be a little bit careful about how you say them. I might say something like, oh, still love wine. It's just we really wanted to try something different. 
that's another way to go. I'm amazed at how much those little lifestyle changes do make wonderful differences in your life. So whether it's I now walk every morning or I've stopped drinking wine when I go out to dinner parties, it doesn't matter. It's talking about I just needed a little change, a little something different. Um, and that's a good way to start it off. I personally think it's it's not a bad thing to let your friends know, hey, you know, for health reasons, we decided to. We didn't realize how much alcohol was taking a toll on our bodies. You know, everyone's getting older, you know, pounds. I thought I'd join him. Yeah. When you say it lightly and without a lot of concern, they don't need to know that there was a medical test that resulted in, hey, you really shouldn't be consuming alcohol anymore or they don't need the numbers. They don't need the numbers. But what you can do is you never know when someone else is looking for a reason or this was something that a friend of mine who actually went through AA described to me. And he said, I never mind when people ask me about why I don't drink because it might give me the opportunity to inspire them to try it. And he never convinces. He's very he's very good about how he goes about the conversation. But he just said, you never know what's going on in someone else's life. And if they were maybe a little curious about the effect of alcohol on their body, hearing your story might help them go make the change themselves if they need it, if they want it. But again, you can approach it all very lightly of just, oh, decided to make some changes for myself and sticking to them for right now. I like it. Stacy. I hope that gives you some options, and I hope that your friends really embrace this and support you and your husband through this. And when you're invited to a party, practice the skills of a good guest. Be on time, ready for fun. Thank you for your questions. You can send updates and comments to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And my goodness, you have good thoughts. Jennifer wrote in about episode 150 with two comments, one about the traffic merge and another one about how to handle a friend's significant other online. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. First, I am definitely in the zipper merge population. And now that you mentioned the New York Times article, I will be immediately forwarding this on to all the people that get on to me about this merging habit. (laughs) What I am really writing about is this issue of unfriending a friend's ex. I have been in the position of having to unfriend a friend's significant other and of having to ask my friends to do the same for me. It is always an awkward situation, and this is how I now handle this. I don't friend them from the start. If someone is dating one of my good friends, all that I need to know about them or they about me can be discovered through my friend's social media site. I have had the inconvenient situation where an ex stalked me through my friend and family's social media sites. I am also in a position where I get unsolicited information about my ex-husband because my friends and family are all still connected by social media. It is awkward. I bet. My suggestion is to not have everyone friend each other from the start. That way, if there is a breakup, you can all make it a clean one. And if anyone needs to talk to a significant other, they should do so from their friend's social media. Sincerely, Jennifer. I like Jennifer's thought of, hey, wait a second. Just because this whole space is public and you can connect doesn't mean you need to. And I think that while that might not seem like the most generous attitude, I think it's a really smart attitude. And I think that in some ways, these social media spaces became spaces where we were afraid to not connect. And I think 
you always want to think about that negative space. Think about the other side of something. <laughs> think about its opposite. And this, to me, is actually really smart. I I like the idea of really waiting until relationships are extremely solid, or someone is a member of your family to connect with them, or to simply use the connections you already have in order to be able to see and engage with that person. Um, I think these are smart ideas, Jennifer. Yeah, and Jennifer made me think of something else also, this idea that there might be situations where you would ask your friends to unfriend someone if you really thought there was behavior that made you feel uncomfortable, that that is a really valid reason for talking to people about who they're connected to. I think it also makes sense to get to know how you manage your privacy settings because you can make yourself invisible to friends of friends or visible to friends of friends. And if you're worried about these second and third degrees of separation still connecting you in a way that makes you uncomfortable, another option would be to start to to pay attention to the way you manage those privacy settings. Jennifer, thank you so much for your thoughts, um, and we hope you keep them coming. Our next piece of feedback came from Christine, who wrote in regarding episode 149 and our Lorna-doomed half-baked question. And Christine writes, Dear Lizzie and Dan, I am writing in with a possible solution for Lorna Doomed, a.k.a. Half-Baked, from episode 149. I, too, am the lone lover of sweets in my household, and I have used this solution in the past with great success. When sending leftover treats to work with my husband or elsewhere... I send them wrapped as individual portions. Think bake sale style packaging. This both makes it easier to deal with and eat in a work setting. And the best part, no one knows how much or little I kept for myself. I typically use either small paper plates and plastic wrap or small treat boxes. Both can be bought quite cheaply at the dollar store or on Amazon. I hope that helps. I love the show. Thank you for all you do to help us be more thoughtful and gracious human beings. Best Christine W. Christine, great idea. Love it. I love it. And I love the product direction, too, that these things can be done cheaply. It doesn't have to be, you know, big presentation or anything. Or You don't have to spend a lot of money on new Tupperware that you're worried about not getting returned. Nina also wrote in about unfriending or dealing with folks you'd rather not see online. Hi, Awesome Etiquette. Just listened to your 150th episode. Congratulations. Thank you. Just wanted to point out that in the case of the person wondering when they can unfriend a friend's ex, I know on Facebook that you can hide a person's posts. People often use this feature around political seasons to avoid political posts. Just an option if you're not ready to unfriend but don't want to see their posts anymore. Keep up the good work. Nina. Well, Nina, clearly great minds think alike. You and Dan were on the same page thinking of using the Facebook controls to make sure that you're really in control of who you're seeing and and who it is that you're interacting with on social media. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next comment or update to... Awesome etiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Don't forget, program that number into your phone so that when you have that of the moment etiquette question, you can call and leave us a message. It's time for our postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's postscript is spoiler alert. Oh my alert. gosh, did you see what happened Sunday night? I did. The question is, have you? I haven't actually. Today's postscript is um, a little bit more of a shallow dive. This is not the deepest etiquette this is territory. Not a deep dive, guys. <laughs> we wanted to talk a little bit about the spoiler alert. Yeah. This is the much anticipated, much awaited Game of Thrones season. 
And I did an interview last week about spoiler alerts, and it was designed to be on the presses waiting for people when they got to work on Monday morning after the the Sunday airing of Game of Thrones. It was about how you handle discussions about shows that oftentimes have big reveals or have plots that many people are involved in and watching, but not everybody sees at the same time. So much of the world is obsessed with this show. It's a worldwide phenomenon of obsession. Like, and even for people who aren't in it, they're like, what is the deal with the show? Like, people are obsessed about it. It's anyway. fun. It's fun when there's a cultural phenomenon like that. But this is an etiquette that I don't want to say is as old as time, but it's as old as there was a recorded, uh, timed record feature on the VCR. Do you think people were like, were like spoiler alerting like Utopia or like books like that first came out or like the Iliad? Like, <laughs> the new Did James Bond novel? I can't hear you. I haven't finished reading it. Like, Harry Potter was like this. Harry Potter when the new Harry like Potters this. were coming out, no, right, people right. didn't want to know what happened you're until right. they had got their copy and had read it. My brother records sporting events. Yeah, of course. And if you even hint, if you even, if he even starts to whisper, sense you approach that territory, he starts to shut down and run the other way. That's so the other example that I was thinking of when we were when I was doing this interview was movies that have a big uh, twist. Twist. Oh yeah. And sometimes even knowing that there's a a twist. twist in the movie is enough to ruin it because you're waiting for it. You're like, when is this all going to shift or change? And I love it when the critic community can keep their mouths shut about a movie that has a real plot twist and they're able to do it successfully in a way that doesn't even leave you waiting for that moment to happen. So <laughs> what is the etiquette here? Well, we're already starting to get to it. One, in that that critical community, I think it's really important to behave responsibly. And I love the the courtesy that's emerged online when people write about entertainment where they put spoiler alert on the top of the page. I think that this speaks to uh, a responsibility both in terms of how people are broadcasting or communicating information, but also to how people are receiving it. Mm-hmm. So let's start from the periphery and work in. If we start with critics, let's start with the the, the critics within our family and friend I network. wish you could see the gestures that are happening in studio right now. I'm well, going to take a picture. I'm making a, a, a globe. <laughs> My arms are wide, but I'm bringing them closer and closer to indicate the, the decreasing size of the spheres of connectivity that bring people closer and closer to you. As you communicate about these things. So in that sphere of people that are your your friends and family, I say keep your spoilers and your big reveals off Facebook. That is a slower moving medium. Yes. People don't control what they see there in the same way that they might on Twitter. On Twitter, we're talking about a medium that's instantaneous about quick reactions. Mm-hmm. If you don't want something revealed, stay off Twitter in the hours between when the show aired on the East Coast and your West Coast location. Maybe even stay off it the next morning or if it's that U.S. Open event that you've got recorded and is waiting for you when you get home after a long weekend on Sunday, that you don't turn on the radio in the car where you're likely to catch sport news even as you flip through the dial. No no trouble spots. No no where you may encounter this so that you can try to avoid it. Yep. Okay. In those spheres of influence, as they get closer and closer to you, if you're Dan Post sending and you're walking into the Emily Post Institute office on Monday morning, say, hey, Lizzie Post, have you seen the Game of Thrones yet? Because you know that your coworker loves the show, but oftentimes watches it online and doesn't see it the night that it comes out. Yes. 
before you launch into that conversation. Take some responsibility for how you broadcast the information. On the flip side, if you're that person who's behind on an episode, when the conversation starts up at the water cooler, tell people, don't tell me anything. <laughs> speak up, <laughs> step away, offer to leave the area if you're outnumbered. By... What's wrong with Dan? Oh, he just didn't see Game of Thrones, so he's running away. Like <laughs> guilty confession. I love so you think you can dance, <laughs> and my mother loves it. Our my, my uncle Peter loves, loves it. it. Yeah. So we have closed door office conversations about so you can think you can dance while people get caught up on the season. <gasps> when you are talking with someone who you know doesn't know, resist the urge to try to be clever in how you talk about it or what you reveal. Don't make hints. You're not as clever as you think you are. It will give it away. Even my brother can tell who won the game just based on the smile on your face the or not. The facial expressions. <laughs> There's this little nonverbal gesture that I like that's a lot like the I've got broccoli on my tooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Universal sign that tells people they've got something on their tooth. Go like you're zipping your lip and throwing away the key. And that's a great just end of the conversation. And that's not going to talk about it. <laughs> that's your moment to look away, have this little self satisfied smile because you've just said that you're not going to talk about it and then move on to something else. I love this just because it's so much about personally being able to control yourself. It's about reading the situation that you're walking into. It's about anticipating and thinking of others even before you even run into them. I mean, spoiler alerts have etiquette like embedded in every single aspect of them. It's a really funny little etiquette world to be in. And there is such pleasure and such joy in experiencing those moments in entertainment that are designed to surprise and delight us now, or educate or inform or <laughs> trick or... And you make fun of me for going back and watching like Friends and Seinfeld and The Cosby Show and, you know, Grey's Anatomy over and over and over again. Nobody complains about spoiler alerts from me, though, because I'm never watching current seasons. <laughs> when you're watching reruns from the 90s. Yeah, yeah, it's like you just don't have to worry about it. <laughs> another another important etiquette. There is what? a time limit on these things. Okay, that's a great one. So what is it? Do we get to just decide it? Should we make it up three hours, five hours a week? What do you have? I think we're safe talking about the crying game, million dollar baby. <laughs> I, I think I enough seen any of these. time has passed. <laughs> That, that you know, I still haven't seen okay. the Titanic. I know how it ends, but I still have not seen Titanic. <laughs> that may be the funniest example <laughs> of a movie requiring a spoiler alert that I've ever heard. <laughs> Clearly, we have reached the end of this particular topic, a shallow dive into the pool of etiquette. Well, I will not be able to watch Game of Thrones tonight when I go home, so I will hopefully be catching it Wednesday night. Don't tell me anything. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today's comes from Hannah, who had a positive, moving experience. Hannah writes, Hi Lizzie and Dan, dropping by to say that I love the podcast. Been a fan since the DPD days and love hearing about etiquette quirks and quandaries. I wanted to share an etiquette salute about the kindness of some strangers in New York City, a place in which you can sometimes feel removed from the others around you. 
My boyfriend and I recently moved to our first apartment together in Manhattan. In the process of trying to furnish the apartment, we turned to Craigslist and found a dining room set, a table, and four chairs that someone was selling a few blocks from our new place. We walked over one evening to pick up the furniture and, with the seller's help, got it all down to the street. We spent a few minutes trying to decide how to best transport it back to our apartment. While everything was quite light, it was still a little bulky for two people to carry. As we were discussing our plan, a group of people, three adults around our age, late 20s, and a four-month-old baby, walked by. They stopped and asked if they could help us. We thanked them but said we could manage, and they kept walking for about 30 seconds. Then the two men in the group turned around and insisted that they help. Together, these strangers, my boyfriend and I, carried the furniture the few blocks to our apartment, chatting about the neighborhood and making friends with the baby. Once we got to the corner of our block, we thanked them and said goodbye. New Yorkers can get a bad rap as being unfriendly or too busy for other people, but there is plenty of kindness here, too. On an unrelated note, Dan, your salute to the hospital employees at the Boston Children's Hospital totally made me tear up on public transit. My boyfriend is about to start his pediatric residency at a children's hospital here in New York, and these stories, see also Jimmy Kimmel's recent story about his new baby and the team at CHLA, always reduce me to a puddle. I am so glad to hear that Anisha is doing better and sending lots of good thoughts to all of you. All the best, Hannah. It is true that New Yorkers oftentimes get a bad rap, and much like you, I think that that rap is undeserved. New York has its own particular etiquette about time uh, being money, and they it can come across as really brusque. But there is a, a big heart in many a New Yorker's chest, and it's required for so many people to live so well, so closely together. And I think this is a perfect example of of how communities shine in all kinds of different situations. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you to you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. It makes our show possible. You can send us your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or by phone, you can leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And please help us out. Get a friend to subscribe. Subscribe yourself on iTunes. Announce to everybody that they should subscribe on iTunes. And if you feel like it, consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thank you, Chris. We all enjoy being together, but has anyone left out? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs>